Fitness Boot Camp Inner Circle Podcast with Georgette Pan and Jesse Stoddard. Well, hello everybody. We're back and uh, I'm excited today. Uh, Georgette, are you out there? Very minor technical difficulties. Sorry about that. Georgette, are you are you there? Yes. Yes. All right. Great. It worked. Sorry. We're a little bit delayed on the, on our system today. I apologize for that. And uh, did we get uh, Thomas on the line, too? I am here. Yay. All right. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry You're probably that. in the uh, in the cloud yeah. of mystery there, wondering what the heck's going on. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to music. I said, according emails, too. It's like, where are you guys? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm here. I was there. I was there. All right, awesome. Oh, I'm so nervous well, we, for this. Well, <laughs> well, I'm glad it worked out. Um, it, for, all, for everybody who's listening, uh, we've got a, a, a special guest today. And um, Georgette, uh, I think uh, you, you know Thomas a little bit better, so maybe you can, you can introduce him and, and uh, we, can, we can get started. Oh, God, there's no introduction for Thomas Plummer. I, I'm i so nervous for this podcast. It's the first time I've ever been nervous. I actually, I, I feel like uh, the 60s when the Beatles came out on stage and everybody passed out. So, I mean, that actually tells a little bit about my age, but I am really nervous. So um, I have a lot of respect for Thomas Plummer. I followed him for years on his website, but... Then Facebook came in to play, and I've been following Thomas there. And he just, when I approached him to be on, I actually thought he just has an uncanny way of expressing, you know, or getting into the mind of the fitness professional and expressing everything, you know, that you think or you have thought at one time or another, and you just couldn't put into words. And that's that's the way I, you know, feel about things that he posts, and I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> that's exactly how I feel. Wish I said that, but um, very brilliant, um, intuitive, and uh, just can, you know, is, is just my all-time favorite, I guess, and he doesn't even know this, <laughs> but all-time uh, favorite, and I don't want to use the word guru because it kind of gives a misconstru- misconstrued, but... Um, uh, I really look up to Thomas Palmer in the fitness industry and all he's he's accomplished and all he does for fit pros. So I think that kind of sums it up. <laughs> and and Tom has also been in the industry for 30 years, right? And uh, the founder of National Fitness Business Alliance and uh, right. and uh, is on the road uh, speaking and uh, right. teaching and consulting and coaching. And so... Uh, if you're if you're new to our podcast and you don't know what you're listening to, you're you're listening to a few people that have been around the block a few times and then again, <laughs> and so you definitely want to get your notepad out and your pen and take some notes on this one. So I'm I'm excited too. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I'm I'm kind of afraid to talk now. I, I don't think I can live up to that introduction, but uh, <laughs> well, let, let's give this a try. So, uh, what do you have for me today? Awesome. Well, I'd like to start, unless Georgette, unless you do, I, I would love to. Go ahead. I'm still trying to calm my nerves down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, Thomas. We appreciate you being on on our podcast, and and as you know, this is 
this is for fitness professionals, so this should be right up your alley. But most, a lot of our listeners are new. Uh, they might have been trainers at, at, at a, you know, in a gym still, and uh, they're looking to get out on their own. Uh, when I survey them and when I talk to them, I find the m- majority of them are trying to get on out on their own for the first time. So it's kind of that fun, you know, that new fresh phase of, hey, I, I think I want to be independent. I, w- I want to have my own gym, or I want to be have a studio or a CrossFit club, or I want to start a boot camp specifically, you know, on its own. And so a lot of them are you know, they don't even know how to really get into the industry. And so what I'd love to do is hear more about your life a little bit. If you could give everybody just an introduction and, and tell them your story and let them know how you got started, because I think everybody's fascinated with that, if, if you don't mind. Love to hear a little bit more about you and your, your past and how you got how you got into this thing. Well, certainly. Uh, well, thank you. And uh, Georgette, that was an amazing introduction, so thank you very much. Uh, um, I've been around for, uh, well, the 30 years is kind of a lie. It's been closer down to about 38. I, I started gyms in back in, really back in the day. I trained my first client in 1977 when I was in graduate school at the uh, University of Arkansas and uh, became fascinated by it. There was no one doing anything in it. And I was working in management and trying to figure out you know, what I wanted to to kind of do after school, and I realized no one knew anything about the the gym business. It was really a fledgling business. There were some old dog health clubs out there, the old uh, spa type, and the gym where you actually work people out was a pretty rare thing back in in those days. So since then, I've done nothing but uh, that business. I, I got some really good advice in those days, and if you learn more about one thing than anybody, you're never going to be out of work. An old high school teacher told me that, and it's uh, I was fascinated by the gym business, and I've kind of spent the last uh, going on 38 years just trying to figure out how it works and what happens in it and how people make money and how you can do it ethically and professionally and make a living out of it. Huh. Yeah. And do you see big changes? I mean, obviously, there's been big changes. I've been around 30-some years myself, but there you know, where do you really see it going? The uh, the big change, a lot of a lot of interest in that too. It's uh, I, I've just spent the last two weeks in uh, Australia, and there were we had about 800 people over there in a series of workshops, and that's kind of the big topic right now, not just here but all around the world. Is it's the industry is in a very very transitionary state right now. People are kind of tired of the mainstream gyms. They're kind of, in many ways, starting to let the client down. There's a very strong emergence of the training gym. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a wonderful time. The, the industry is, what I usually tell people, is in total chaos right now. And anytime there's chaos, there's opportunity. And the training gym, that uh, 3,000, probably the smallest, up to 10,000 square feet, is the kind of the gym of the future right now. There's a lot of people opening them. We're seeing a significant number of people starting to do more than a million dollars a year through these little training gyms with a pretty high net profit, 35% usually, 40%. That never existed five years ago. There's probably more change in the business in the last three to five years than I've seen since 1977. Uh, It's it's incredible, and it's, it's a wonderful time to get in. Um, it is kind of the decade of the trainer in the next 10 years. If, if trainers figure out what they want and they figure out how to get into business, um, there's great opportunity and a great. it's a good time to be a trainer. Yeah. What, Thomas, what you, when you – go ahead, sorry. 
No, I was just thinking of like that's the good news. What's the bad news? Like, what do you see as like the things that are maybe the most hurtful to the industry? The uh, well, the damage being done right now is a lot of the, the price wars. Everyone thought that was going to be the end of the business, and it just really went after a a kind of a the client we always assume was there, which is the cheap ass client, the the one that always wanted the lower price, but Training gyms usually appeal to a whole different clientele. Um, There's a a very good book out called uh, 113 Million Markets of One, and they talk about the the new economic order, that new type of buyer. And uh, there's a significant number of those people, and they're the ones that traditionally support uh, the training gyms. So they're, they're coming into big big numbers now, the mistakes trainers make, the, the negative negativity now is we're, we're running a lot of new trainers into the industry that have one or two years experience and think they're master trainers. And I, it takes a while to season. I think, you know, you're going to have to put your thousand sessions in. You're going to have to acquire four or five different types of certifications so you become well-rounded. Your toolkit is full. Uh, I th- there's a lot of people coming in now that uh, two or three months of education that uh, just copy a workout off you know, somewhere on the Internet, and then they, they can kill people faster than anybody. There's a little negative image going on with that, but I'm, I'm, they will weed out fairly quickly, I hope. Well, I hope. Yeah, but I do see that. Mm-hmm. That's something I see even with coaching. Now that coaching has caught on, I see that every, you know, a lot of online industry anyway has jumped on the coaching industry, regardless of if they have any experience or, <laughs> you know, so I see that. The online uh, in, uh, aspect of it is seems to be maybe have more negativities than the offline, if you follow me on that. It's, it's starting to get a little better. The, the early huh. days of online, it was uh, people posting their favorite workout that day, and, it you know, it didn't matter if it killed you or not. It was just what that – guy did that day, but now if you have any kind of experience or sense, you can get on and find Dan John or Gray Cook or Lee Burton or Cosgrove or Durkin or Robert Yang, all the gurus, all the guys out there, you can start to really find some decent workouts posted, and you can get some real nice information online. I mean, there's more, Gray Cook probably has more uh, YouTube videos done on things like the kettlebell, the Turkish get-up, uh, uh, all kinds of the things he talks about when he talks about movement. Uh, there, I mean, you can literally, if you weed carefully, you can get so much good education that didn't even exist five right. years ago. So that's changing. And I think a lot of the idiots are getting I – mean, I think the trainer now knows when he sees this, you know, Joe – Joe, somebody from the, somewhere that posted his favorite video that day, and he's now a guru because he's posted his first YouTube video. I think those days are kind of gone, at least I hope so. They appear to be. And uh, so the next generation trainer is a little more sophisticated. They are coming to be much better educated. Um, I think they're getting a little more worldly uh, because there's so much access to good certifications that never right. existed five years ago. So you'd have to be pretty much a rock not to be able to pick up some of this good stuff going on. But there's still guys out there that will fight everything, and they're still going to be doing 1985 <laughs> bodybuilding movements, and they just won't change, and the world will pass them, I hope. 
title. Thomas, going back to when you first got into the business and uh, 1977 first personal training client, that that shows right there. I think most of our listeners weren't born yet, so <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Really appreciate it, um, for pointing that out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. That's a. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of change. Uh, obviously, you, you just mentioned a lot of the current change and the current trends. If you were to go, when you went back, I, I'm curious to just to find out what make people tick. And I know it really helps with our listeners to get a better feel for who you are. What was it like to open up? Did, you know, I assume at one point you started your own business and made that transition. How did you do that and what was that like to open up your first gym and get your first round of clients and be independent back when you, you first got going? I've always been connected somehow to the, the business. I've worked in other aspects of it, the financial part of the business. Uh, I've worked in operational companies and, and uh, in either owned gyms and invested. We still have one training gym left on Cape Cod. It's 14,000 square feet. It's a family gym. Our, uh, it was started about 30 years ago. Our, our kids, our, our son-in-law and uh, daughter are buying it from us. And it's uh, one of the oldest gyms on Cape Cod if not the oldest right now. Um, we have 1,400 women. We still have, uh, you know, we have sleds, slam walls, rack systems. Uh, we get after it in there. It's a pretty cool gym, but uh, you have to stay connected to it, and you have to kind of look at the progression. If you look back, you know, when we started this and back in back in the day, we were we were right at the time, but we were so wrong about so many things, and we there was never any ability to find those things. Nobody was doing research on things. Now if we do a kettlebell swing, we can put them on a you know, a plate, we can measure the force, we can measure the dynamics, we can look at the lower back and, and see it on eighty visions of or different views on video. None of that existed. And so we we're better now that we know and can prove what works and doesn't work. And it was all emotion prior to the last decade, we just really never had, we, we didn't have, you know, Gray Cook looking at things through video and analyzing it and pulling all the studies together. We never had Cosgrove looking at the nutrition values. We never had some of these people that just now they're, they're not just great trainers. They're kind of scientists in a way. Mark Stegan's probably the perfect example of, uh, of one of the brightest people in the in- industry, but he's, he's very much, science-based. Uh, Greg Rose uh, created the Tylos Performance Institute, probably one of the most brilliant men ever in this industry. And everything he does is based on research, technique, feedback. Uh, none of this existed before. So that's, I, I think the biggest change between now and then was the fact that we know what the hell we're talking about now. And it's not so much emotion. It's the fact that, yeah, we know that this kettlebell swing is effective because, you know, we can prove to you that it works instead of, man, that feels good. Grab your stomach and do a thousand crunches, you know, logically. Emotionally, that sounds like it's the right thing. But we look at now and we go, God, we were so wrong about so many things. And that, that's the sign of a great trainer is you, you might be right at the time, but you have to understand you might be wrong tomorrow. And you have to be willing to keep moving. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And when you were, uh, how did you first even get um, something off the ground? And here's here's why I asked that. I think the number one fear, you know, when you when you have a, a new a fitness trainer, let's say they go and get their 15 certifications and all this education. A lot of our a lot of our people, you know, they really are educated, which is good. Um, 
but then they have this nervous fear about starting their own business. And I would love to hear your take on that side of things too. Maybe a little sure. with a little bit of your history. We talk to we're running uh, a tremendous number of people through the workshops these days, and uh, we're doing Stanford, Connecticut this week. We have maybe 130 people, and probably 40 percent of them will be uh, trainer owners, trainer training gym uh, people from a lot of you know Connecticut, New York, uh, Jersey, all those markets. Uh, some of the more successful people in the country are based there for square footage and revenue. Uh, but if you want to get into gym business now, what makes there's a lot of these guys that are well qualified as coaches, but they're one-dimensional and they they don't understand the business part, and they almost and many of them, in which I encourage not to get into the business, uh, they just refuse to put any effort into kind of sitting down and say, okay, what's it take to open one of these things? You know, what does it cost to do this? And what? And how do I raise money? They dream of it, but when it comes to mastering it and being good at that part of the business, uh, it, that's the difference these days is there's guys that will move beyond that and they get into some pretty serious discussions about what it takes to be in business. And those are the guys that are pretty good. Um guy uh, I admire a lot in New York, uh, J.T. Grork. He is a, um, a a guy that came from the financial world when he was in his early 30s, uh, kind of burned out, was a Wall Street guy, very successful, very, extremely talented and intelligent man. And he rolls in. He wants to be um, open a training gym because he's passionate about fitness. But he went out and became certified in four different things in the first 90 days, mastered about everything he needed, started training his friends in the park for experience. Uh, attended all the, the high-level workshops he could get into. I mean, he made it his uh, year's work to be that good as a trainer because he had business experience, but he wanted to be well-rounded. In the reverse of that are the trainers. Uh, another guy, uh, uh, Don Saladino, one of the probably the better-known trainers right now. He and his brother, Joseph, own uh, one in Broadway. Um, he trains, Don trains most of the major stars in New York, uh, everybody from um, Scarlett Johansson, Ryan Reynolds, I mean, uh, Blake Lively. He's just that guy, and he's never told anybody. But he and his brother are, they're very good businessmen. They study, they ask questions, they read. They want to be more than just super trainers. They really want to understand how the business works. Right. So that's the that's the, the thing. If you're going to get into this, and there's a lot of information, there's good workshops, there's good books, there's good information to uh, to be able to do this. But you have to be you have to stop being one dimensional. You have to understand that uh, just because you build it and you're a good coach, people don't gather around you. You still have to learn how to market, manage staff, sign leases. Um, you have to work with banks. All that stuff is part of it. It's it's easy to learn. It's not hard. But you've got to be able to do that work, too, and become a, a multidimensional person. Uh, you've got to be a great coach, but you've got to be a decent business guy, and you've got to understand how staff works. And if you're willing to do all those things, you're probably going to be pretty successful in the next 10 years. Right. That's excellent. great. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. That's excellent because I'm fine. I find that from my, from my years of doing a newsletter that, especially in the in the boot camp industry, which we, which I'm more into, my more in my expertise, but I find I'm finding that it's it's all about workouts, a lot of it, um, and there's a lot more to running a successful whatever studio, 
boot camp gym than just what you know your workouts workouts do not equal equal successful business of course it's part of it being a great trainer like like you just said but when it comes to the business and the marketing and all that end of it that training is not something that is in any certification um and it is something you have to go out and learn because what I had, you know, I had to do a lot of trial and error, a lot of research, you know, and pre prehistoric, meaning pre-internet, that was not so easy. So no, there wasn't a lot of out there anyway at that time. There wasn't much. Right. The research would have been you would have to read a few very dry academic papers if you could find it because nobody was really researching it. Um, there were some military papers published back in the day. A few universities were starting to look at strength training for football players and athletes because there was a little research coming out of some of the pro teams, but most of it, no. There wasn't much. There was no – the training business as we know it's probably less than 15 years old. People think it's been around forever and ever, but the trainers now are more sophisticated at 25 than the trainers – uh, 20 years ago, at, they could have been in business 20 years and still don't know what a 25-year-old trainer knows today because the access is so much better. Now, how you apply that and what you do with that, that's <laughs> some of the skill set that we're missing sometimes today. But its uh, but we have better information. We should be better coaches, but sometimes we still get caught up in some madness. Um, we just had a great discussion with a, a group of, of trainers. They're, they're almost the purest type. There was about 40 of them in a room, and we're there, it's almost like we seek the perfect workout. We seek, if we just get the workout right, then the client, that's, the clients will magically tell everybody and they'll come. And my, my point is, you know, that we almost overcomplicate. If you take a deconditioned guy in his 40s and, you know, he's been building his business, he's got a couple of kids, he's been a good father and doing the after school, you know, softball or baseball or dance or whatever the God he's trapped in every day of his life. Uh, and the guy wants to go back to the gym. I mean, this guy, there's so much debate you can put on this guy. You know, can we individualize a workout for this guy? Yeah, somebody should look at him and make sure he can move and doesn't have any dysfunction. But beyond that, if the guy shows up a couple of days a week and does a full body workout for about 50 minutes, and goes home, he's better shaped than he's probably ever been in his adult life. And so the, the, the young trainers that say, no, this guy's going to have a, a very, very specific, detailed, uh, just the, this, just for this guy, it's, it's, it's kind of bullshit. The, guy, the guy's a deconditioned 40-year-old guy, and he doesn't have any health problems. Just get his ass up and move him. And that's so we uh, we have that debate. That, but when you tend to go with your strengths, when you if you don't know anything else, you're going to go with what you think you know. So if I don't know anything about business and I'm not going to learn, I'm just going to keep writing these magical workouts because that's all I know. Uh, you feel power from being able to you know you go with your strength, and there's power in that, uh, at least the delusion of power because it sure doesn't make a good business. Right, right, right. Excellent. Wish I said that. Thomas, I, I would uh, I would love to know your take. Uh, a lot there's a lot out there right now for um, you know a, a good trainer or a small business owner. There's a lot of competition now for um, business models that, that there never used to be. There's more franchises. There's more licensing programs. There's, uh, for example, uh, CrossFit, huge, fast-growing rage, uh, and then there's. Um, 
franchises for small gyms and 24-hour type gyms and anytime fitnesses, snap fitnesses, all that kind of thing. And then there's boot camp licensing and franchise programs now. There's We've got Adventure Boot Camp, Fit Body Boot Camp, and a lot of these different business models. What's your take on those? And do you see those in your seminars? And, and what, what, uh, what, what's the word on, on some of these different options for trainers? See, that could be uh, just that could be a whole hour by itself. There's uh, some of them are very very good. Some of them are are not so good. The mistake make, people make is again, if I don't want to learn the business, then I'm going to buy something that is prepackaged and I don't have to do anything. Just follow the rules. Right. So there's there's some of them um, on the positive side. People like uh, Anytime Fitness. They I think have a couple thousand units. They have good leadership, and they're 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 bright enough, which is rare in our industry. They're letting it evolve. You're you're seeing that these any times now are opening in little bigger spaces, six thousand feet, seven thousand feet, some of them now, some bigger, and you're starting to see the new generation owner coming through there, where they're um, they're allowing them to um, kind of create a training gym within these things. Um, there's there's just a lot of good people coming through that are there anytime and they're loyal to the organization, but they're starting to really be able to build training models within the scope of that. So they're they're progressive, they're good, they're solid, they'll be around for a while, they've got great corporate leadership. So that's that's a positive. A negative yeah. some of these other groups, um some of the franchises that you have to understand what you're buying. A lot of times when you buy a franchise, you're buying the, – if the guy's not in the gym business, he's in the franchise business. Right. He's, what he tries to do is sell a whole lot of franchises and make a whole lot of money. That doesn't mean it's going to work real well. Um, it, it's The guy created a great franchise model but not necessarily a great business to own. And there's a tremendous amount of those out there right now. Um, then your third category are people like uh, – CrossFit, I mean, CrossFit was one of the great marketing companies of all time in this industry. They're, I put them up there with Life Fitness and that breakthrough in the, back in the 70s and 80s. You put them up there with, uh, geez, uh, Nautilus, uh, Gold Gym. All these became brand names. Um, the, the strength of that is they're the people that really brought group, the group exercise dynamic into the public eye and did a great job of it, and we're not afraid to charge national average $149. Uh, but they were never, they never, they never offered, promised, or never made it as part as we'll teach you business as well. They, they, that's not their gig. They're, they turn out, you know, coaches. They, they try to get people set up in their box, but they're, a, they're a licensed company. They're not a business company, so to speak. So they do some good things, and they do some other things that, um, you know, I wish personally that they'd start to add some kind of business training for all their people. Um, they've had that started several times, and it's never really worked out, which is a shame because I think it could be one of the best brand names in the next 20 years if somebody, you know, that they would let it grow and let it evolve. And that's that's a big thing in there. And most of these franchises and these licenses things do not evolve. They're a good two or three year program, and then they're dead because the owners have such pride in them but don't know how to let them go. There's very few Howard Schultz that will look at Starbucks and, and say, nope, we need to go to another generation. Uh, a lot of these people, probably Orange Theory is going to be one of those where I think it has a very short shelf life because it, there's no uh, there's no evolution present. I don't think anybody will. I think it's going to be, it's there, gone, 
and peaked and done, uh, boot camps have to evolve because the, the group dynamic itself is forcing people to look at boot camps as really what we call team training. We run 20 to 60 women in our gym in big groups. Um, there's a guy named Colin McGarty up in uh, Seacoast Kettlebell up in New Hampshire. He's one of the most brilliant team coaches I've, I've talked to in, in years, and he'll run 60 people up there in team training. Um, he can do that because CrossFit started it in 2000, but he's a whole generation ahead, a lot of people, and what he is is what boot camp used to be. He's evolved it. So all these guys have to give you, when you buy something, it, is it something that's got the leadership that will let it evolve? Do you see changes coming for you, or do you see something that's so rigid that it's never going to change? And you've got to avoid those. You've got to be very, very careful there. Yeah. Wow. That was a mouthful. Yeah, sorry, I kind of rattled on that one. You had me wound up. Again, that, Jesse, that could have been an hour there. <laughs> I, I, I could tell. That's great. Well, uh, we need to hear it, and everybody needs to hear it. Um, and so I, I, I love your – appreciate. we appreciate your, your input on just yeah. like the quick snapshot of it. Um, yeah. And so how, I guess here's a question then. How, how would you recommend that, uh, you know, a, a trainer slash business owner choose a good – franchise. You mentioned a couple things in there. You mentioned make sure that uh that there's some good leadership involved. Is there any other uh, you know and that so that it has longevity? Is there any other guidelines you give um you know one of your clients on what to choose or or even if to choose one? Do you recommend they go out on their own and create their own model and not buy into one of those or what well, what uh, what guidelines are, would you give? I think the next the next generation training gym is you you're going to buy tools to support your business but you're not going to buy the business. Um, and, right. and that said, there's if I open a training gym and I'm in Chicago and have 6,000 square feet, I might look at somebody like uh, Rick Mayo. Um, he has a licensing um, group out of Atlanta uh, called Alloy. And what I'm buying there is a, a program design. I'm buying something that's, you know, somebody that sets this in motion. So I could be a good trainer, have my own identity, and have my own brand, and still buy programming or buy tools from somebody. In essence, you're renting a toolkit. So same thing with boot camp. I may have a complete system in there, but we advocate strongly that most training gyms, you know, you're going to have, if you're, if you're over 4,000 square feet, the new hybrid, new generation training gym has open access. Uh, the smallest gym I would ever let anybody open anymore is about 3,000, 3,500 square feet is perfect on the small side. If I get over 4,000, I can have open access, and that's, that, that what, that's what hybrid means. That's the next generation where the clients can come in on their off days. So, Jesse, if I'm one of your clients and I, I might be a team training client, but I'm a triathlete, I can come in on my off days and get on a treadmill and do uh, 30 minutes with a uh, weighted vest on an HIIT program that you designed for me. So I, I, I have a reason to stay connected to the gym on my off days. Uh, so you're, that type of generation training gym, as they evolve, you know, you're going to have team training, which is that 24 to 40-year-old market. You should be really good at small group training, which is 35 to 50 years old, and you should be, you're still going to have a percentage of one-on-one. But those gyms at 6,000 square feet will generate about a million two, and they should do it with 35 to 40%. So uh, pre-tax net on those. So they're very profitable. They're good. But if I'm building one of those, I may buy tools. Uh, functional movement screen is a perfect 
thing. I'm going to get certified in that. I have to have that as a modern trainer. I'm going to maybe buy program design from a couple of folks. But I don't, and I might use a boot camp model to get my team training started for a while. But right. over time, as I get better, I'm going to need less and less than that because I really have to individualize it for my marketplace. Right. So you may use some of those tools, and some of them may, if they evolve, will stay with you for a while. But a lot of times, they help you get started, but they're not may not be a long term position for you. Right. And then the key after that, you said, is customization to the marketplace. So so you, you could use these tools to get going. You might keep them. You might not because you're going to individualize. Uh, but the bottom line here is if you have the basic model and you have some good tools, you don't really need a franchise is that or, no. or a license. Well, right. Again, there people, the, the, you have to ask a question, am I buying this because I don't know anything about the business I'm expecting them to do all the work for me? You're going to get killed. If you buy this because I have some business sense, and I can adapt this tool to what I'm doing, uh, then it's going to make sense. So, you, you know, two people could look at a boot camp model. One could say, I can get a lot out of this. I can wrap this around what I'm doing. The other person says, God, I hope they come and clean my toilets too because I'm that dumb. You know, I can't do anything. That guy, <laughs> no matter what tool he's going to buy, you can't save that guy. You know, it's just that person cannot be saved. Uh, meaning he shouldn't have been in the business at this stage of his career. He, he, he probably needs to get a little more worldly experience, get a little more business experience, maybe do a little more studying, because you, you, you can't get into this and expect somebody else to carry your load for you. You've got to understand that you've got to be able to generate. Uh, a training business is a business, and it's, it's a cool business, but you have to understand you're going to be working 60, 70 hours a week. You have to market, bring people in. You have to create systems that you can – uh, get new clients into the business every single month. You have to seek an average in most metro areas of at least $300 per month per client. The rural folks will probably do about 200 per month per client. Um, you know, suburban, rural, both markets. There's rules that are established here. So do the tools help me or do I expect the tools to do it all for me? If the tools help you, you're going to be good. If you're still expecting the tools to do everything, you still don't understand your own business, they probably won't save your ass. Um, they're just, they're just, they were never designed for that. We're a lot different than a Subway or a McDonald's where they'll tell you what straws to use. We're, you still have the adaptability of the market you're in, and the coaches will still want to put a little bit of their own style in it. And there's still things that have to be flexible within this. And so if I buy programming, that's one thing. If I'm looking for a total solution and I have, don't have to think, you're probably not going to be very good with that. Right. Yes. Totally agree. Going to set it better, actually, because, I mean, I'm going to say 20-some years ago, I exactly start, went looking into franchises of studios, and uh, I already had the idea of running boot camps, which not too many people even knew what they, what they were at that time. In fact, I don't think anybody did, but the franchise I did talk to, I was like, this is not making sense to me. I, I want to do other things. Like I, you know, no, you can't do a group. You no, you this is one on one only, and you can't do boot camps through the system. I said, well, first of all, you know, that's not the only hindrance to me even thinking about this. The other hindrance was the cost, uh, and I'm thinking, you know what? Let me scrap this whole idea. And I started my own 
studio and and boot camp simultaneously because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be restricted to a a franchise rules. And it would be nice, okay, we find your place, we market for you, we this, we that. It wasn't even enticing enough for me at the time. They don't do that anyway because it's kind of uh, a little bit of a uh, – they they don't really they sometimes they state that but they don't do a whole lot for that. I, I think the big scary thing is I, I would never pay anybody a percentage of my business at this right. stage. Uh, most of the franchises, most of the licenses that are successful, are usually flat rates. There's a few exceptions to that, right. uh, but most of them are pretty much just flat rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you look at this stuff. You know, how many years have they been in business? How long? You know, what have they done? What have they? How many people do they have? Now, if you're somebody like Anytime, you get a couple thousand units worldwide and you, you've been hanging around for 20 years, you're probably doing something fairly right and there's and letting them evolve. Right. But uh, it's it's you have to look back maybe 20 years ago, you had Fitness First, or not Fitness First, but Fitness Together. And Fitness Together, they were the one room, you know, one trainer, you know, right. one mission, whatever it was, but I couldn't get that their, their slug line. But they, they finally... They had a thousand units at one time, got knocked down to, I want to say, 300 units, something like that. And they finally, after they got punished by the marketplace, finally let the franchisees start to open up small group training. Yes, they which did. Makes, it, makes a huge difference in in the marketplace. Right, so which I tried to tell them exactly yeah. who I was talking about, Thomas. <laughs> I didn't well, want. The only one 20 years ago. I know where you were going with that one because there wasn't uh, not. not <laughs> There. But they, well, I was even they, they wouldn't let me run boot camps, and then I did notice that they started allowing that. But hey, that was decades later, and um, you know I was already in business. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're, they're, now they're they're trying to change now. Now they have some very very good owners in there. They're uh, well, oops, Thomas. Our, um I have another question for you, if that's okay. Did we lose Thomas? Oh, we might have lost him. Yeah, he he actually. We'll see if he can jump back on here in a minute. Uh, so far, I'm uh, amazed with some of the stuff he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> How about says, you? <laughs> yeah, he always says everything I feel. I told you that. Like it seems like he puts a lot of the into words, like of what I've already been thinking and feeling for like years. And then Thomas comes across and just boom says it, and like. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm like, oh my god! I hope he does pop back, pop back on. There we go, we got him, Thomas. Uh, I think we got you back. Just disconnected call there, real quick. Yeah. All right. I'm thank here. you for jumping. I, uh, I have no idea what the hell happened, but uh, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, it was just it was so much information that we had to take a break anyway. So, <laughs> um, I've got another uh, question for you concerning this the industry trend. Do you feel that the um, how do you feel the big box clubs are influencing this or being influenced? And what I mean by that is sometimes I feel like there's a bigger uh, – it seems like there's a bigger and bigger separation now uh, between uh, – I. so when I first got in, we, we started a 6,400-square-foot um, uh, 6, 6, club, but we did it under the old model. We weren't doing uh, your next-generation training, Jim. We were doing kind of our own weird little hybrid, but still equipment-heavy. 
and uh, and and I remember that that was the thought. The trend was we're going to try to go smaller uh, in order to keep our costs lower. But now I think that a lot of those clubs just get killed because they don't they're not innovative and they're they're basically competing with the giant mega clubs. Do you see that the giant mega clubs are changing their business model in response to this? Are they trying to compete? Are they trying to add? you know, group training, and it looks like they're trying to copy the small model but stay giant, and it's very confusing, uh, and there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of change out there. What's your take on that? Uh, that's that's probably the number one topic I'm talking about these days. Uh, uh, when I was in Australia, I, I did a show called Phylex in uh, Melbourne, which is uh, one of the most incredible shows anywhere on the planet. But before I went there, I did two days in Sydney for an organization called Fitness First. They have, uh, at one point, at 100 mainstream gyms in Australia. They have 68 now. They've kind of restructured in the last um, uh, decade, um, and they have great leadership. Um, I spent a day there with uh, corporate and then a day with 160 of their managers and just trying to – and the big question is, what the hell happened? You know, they just – it's the – the chain, I think the funny thing is uh, I live part of the year in Florida. If you go over to Orlando to Riverwalk, they have all these bars that are all themed out. But they're really, no matter what the theme is, they're, they're just packed with people in their 20s and 30s. I saw a couple there that were probably in their late 60s, and they, you know, they just had that you know, white sock, sandal look. And they're sitting there looking at the edge of this, looking like they, they they knew it was a party, but they didn't understand it. You could just see the look on their face, and they were making comments like, "What did we? How did we end up here?" It was hysterical. I mean, I, I I'm sitting there, you know, with a couple of clients, and we're laughing because I didn't fit in the place either. But I'm just laughing, you know. But I'm looking at these people; they were stunned. And uh, I, I, the reason I mention that is that's what I think the chains are today. They're looking at the party, and they don't know – they didn't get an invitation. They're, they, they, and if they show up, they don't know how to play. They don't even know how to dance. They're, the, the, the industry is changing so quickly now that the chains can't, can't change. Uh, 24 hours just sold to guys that have ran other chains. They're, they're – they're, it got some issues in there. Uh, you look at people like uh, Town Sports International, 170 clubs. They're they're all their investment guys are kind of pissed off and changes, and they the president CEO just left under you know kind of being forced out according to the stuff in the online and things. They're they're trying to figure out the game. Um, all these chains, they they the, the training gyms are just going to kill them because. In the past, if I had a 24-hour, you know, 24-hour fitness, and I've got 3,000 clients, I only have maybe six percent. One of the most important numbers in the gym business, when you're looking at a chain, is they their penetration rate of people with one-on-one training was only six percent. So if I if I, if a Planet Fitness opens down the street and takes a lot of $10 clients, nobody really cares. It doesn't hurt them that badly. But if a training gym opens across the street and takes out a hundred of those, you know, 150 to 170 clients out of this thing, that that 150, 170 clients probably generates somewhere 25, 30 percent of all the revenue in the gym. So you 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 start to drain the core of these gyms out. You're just not taking 100 clients. You're taking 100 clients. You're taking. 20, 30% of all the revenue generated because these people buy the shakes, they refer, they take the yoga classes, they pay for training. They, they pay way beyond their membership. So that's, 
that's what's happening now. The change, just don't understand that. They're getting, they're getting just absolutely drained by these training clubs, but they're blaming the $10 guys. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, and it's so I'm I'm getting a lot of calls from a lot of the chains. It's just like what do we do? And they, they they don't even understand really basically what's happening. They don't even understand where the drain is. You know we're at war with ten dollar guys. No, that war is over. What you're getting killed from is you're losing it all the training clients. Uh, and this uh, ah it's, so it's, that's the high value. That's the high leverage client. So they're not losing. Uh, they're not losing a large percentage of their clients. They're just losing a large percentage of the good clients. That's what you're saying? <laughs> well, they are losing some of the $10 guys because now they claim, okay, well, there's a $10 gym down the street, and that's unfair competition. Well, you've been charging $49 for the last 20 years and never gave anybody any help. So right. all you did was rent equipment for $49. Now some guy comes down and does the same exact thing for $10. Why are you pissed? Uh, right. That, I mean, if, if you build Frankenstein, you can't be pissed off when he eats the village. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's, you can't. You, you created that madness because you know you have six percent of your clients are getting help. Ninety-four percent don't get any help. Well, they're going to leave you for ten bucks because all they're doing is renting a treadmill for forty-nine dollars. I can rent the same treadmill, same brand down right. the street for ten dollars. So. They're they're losing it on both ends, but what the the, the war on the low end would not have been fatal. Uh, it's it's hurtful, but not fatal. But the war on the top end, where you have these guys opening these you know small training gyms, and they right. take out you know 150 200 client. Uh, uh, Frank Nash is one of the better known trainers. Uh, Frank Nash Training System. He's a great social media guy. Anybody listening to this. You want to follow some good social media. Follow Frank on, on his Facebook and his personal Facebook, and follow Frank uh, on uh, Instagram. Uh, he's a perfect model. Even helps team teach a couple times a year for me with uh, speaker schools and social media. But Frank has a training gym, and he's out in the middle of Massachusetts in a blue collar town, and he has about 320 clients. But he's generating 1.3 million in there. His clients are averaging over 310 dollars a month. Uh, he's in the middle of nowhere, should not be doing these numbers, and he's, he's crushing it. Now, five years ago, where would those 310 clients been? They would have been in a chain gym. But Frank not only took 310, but he took a million point three out of somebody else's club. Uh, <laughs> that's a million three somebody would have generated with those clients if they were smart. Uh, back to your original question, Jesse, that they're not smart. The chain's... They're, they're, they, they, they keep looking to recreate the past. If I find the right special, if I fire the sales guy, if I motivate him with this incentive, it's all going to come back. But they have to understand they have to really change everything about how to do business. And I, that's where the training gyms have an advantage. They're not moving fast enough. The training gyms are little speedboats. They can get out there and kick ass and grab 150 to 300 clients, and they can do that all day long in most markets and uh, make a lot of money and the chains are going to be way too slow to react if they ever do. Right. What's the main huh. difference? Is it service? Is it the? Is it that human touch? Is it the quality over quantity? What's What's that main difference? Why are they so quick? Why, how can they grab that market share so fast? The, the, when the price war started about around 2000 or so, that's uh, Planet Fitness came in, then all the $19 guys, all the imitators, there's, you know, they're at one point, one year, I forget, in 2004, 2005, something like 14 imitators, franchise companies opened up in that $10, $19 model. 
So these guys come out and they start this massive price war and everybody reacted and just dropped their price. Right. Um, sports International, again, New York sports clubs, Boston sports clubs, Philadelphia sports club, Washington, they had 176 units. They did the same thing. They dropped their price and blamed that, that, that cheap gym for their problems. What, and so they, they had, you know, $480 million year company. They had 4% loss the last two quarters of last year. Well, if you're the CEO of that, that costs you your job. You're done. That's you, nobody can take that hit on the stock. So they're, they're, he's gone. But what happened when the war started is the big guys said, nope, they must be right. Drop your pants, lower the price. And the training kids just revolted. They went the other way. They raised their price, had no fear. Um, I mean, there's trainers in New York now. Uh, Don Saladino is probably, as I mentioned earlier, one of the best trainers, if not the best trainer reputation-wide in New York. I mean, we had guys getting $500 an hour in there now <laughs> in New York. Wow. Well, that's 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 probably five memberships for you know one of these. Well, you look at the ten dollar guys. You're looking at four memberships for that. You know, for this guy's paying per hour. What it takes four memberships for a whole year to pay. So the the trainer guys went the other way. They just revolted. They went the the average for really good trainers in New York is three hundred bucks an hour now. So these the trainer guys just said screw it. We're raising our prices. But what happened and what nobody realized is that they separated the clients and that traditional cheap ass client stays in the low end gyms or they, they bitch about price and that new client that the Neo, that new economic order client highlighted so well in that book, they're there for the experience. They want, they want the culture, they want authentic, they want a, they, they want a decent, the clean place, but they don't care about all big leather seats in the locker rooms anymore. They want, they're really, they're the people that go to Whole Foods, they're the people that have three or more Apple products. They're five times more likely to be on the Internet, and uh, they, they read news five times more than the traditional buyer does. They're that, that client, and they all went with the trainer guys, and they pay a lot of money to do that. They paid a lot of money to get out of the chain gyms. Right, right. Well, it was never their niche to begin with. So, yeah, so what do you see as their solution, these gyms? Like, to, I know that's a... <laughs> That's a tough question, maybe to answer. But <laughs> the, the chain gyms or the the uh, the, the chain gyms? The, the the chain gyms. Do, do they have a chance? <laughs> yeah, uh, companies like uh, TSI, I think they're perfectly positioned. Right. They should become training gyms. They they should target forty to fifty percent of their people, which I think they could over a twelve month period of time. They should they should target and try to become just big training gyms. Most of them are only 20,000 square feet. Next generation training gyms are going to be about 10 to 12,000 feet anyway. Right. Uh, I've been a, friend, been a client for probably 15 years now. Um, he's out in the Midwest, has uh, 11,000 square feet. He did 3.3 million last year. Um, wow. And he's doing that with about 1,400 clients. The, 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 that gym, that next generation, that you know, getting up to eight to 12,000 square feet training gym, um, they, they're going to rule the world. There's no reason a lot of the mainstream gyms uh, couldn't become that if they wanted to. But I think back to Jesse's question, and what's not going to happen there is there's the culture. They don't have the culture. They, right. uh, they usually hire secondary trainers, and they don't pay them very well. They don't educate them, which is sad. Um, right. There's a big – if somebody wanted to step up and be that chain that became the biggest, you know, and really put the emphasis on – 
being a training gym company on a larger scale, they'd probably win. Um, yeah. Best chance to do that, I think Equinox is probably positioned pretty well uh, to do that. Uh, and I think uh, TSI could probably, if they get the right leadership in there, could probably be the biggest training uh, gym organization. And I think Fitness First Australia is poised with their brilliant leadership. I think they could become the one of the uh, best training uh, gym companies in the world. And they have 76 units all around 20,000 square feet. They could be just absolutely brilliant. Um, so, they're, yeah, there's guys out there that could do it. I'm not right. so sure that they will do it because of just, you know, that's a giant, giant bolt you've got to change direction on. You've got a lot of culture to change, and that would take some amazingly uh, far-looking leadership to do, and I, I I just haven't seen that in the change yet. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas, this has been great. Uh, with the time we have left, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the projects you personally have going, uh, some thing, or if you have any offers for trainers or our listeners or anything that uh, we might need to know about? How do we get a hold of you? How does somebody find out more about you? I know you have a blog. The, uh, the, the best way to go is the National Fitness Business Alliance. And either um, my two sidekicks there are either Jillian or Jamie. Um, just through the NFBA, um, and it's either Jillian, J-I-L-L-I-A-N, at teamnfba.com, or Jamie, J-A-I-M-E, at teamnfba.com. There's a toll-free number, 800-726-3506, um, 726-3506 for those retro people that still dial. Uh, Facebook, if you get on my Facebook um uh, Make sure they find me on the public uh, figure page. Um, I post there five or six days a week. If you message about workshops, that's the place. We teach workshops on domestically. We'll do about eight to ten more this year. Uh, Connecticut is going to be in uh, on Thursday this week. Um, those are one day. This year they're one day um, just full events. We're doing a training a trainer-only event in the end of May in um, Atlantic City. Um, and that's going to be a limited to about 60 people. And we're having people apply because we're cutting that one off. Uh, so, But you can get that information from one of, one of my folks there. Uh, we do weird things. We teach uh, speaker schools and social media boot camps. Uh, we just finished a speaker school on how to be a presenter, front of the room person, how to build, be, you know, next generation guru. Somebody's got to replace Boyle and and Dan John and all these guys. At some point, there's a generation that's got to come up. The uh, next next generation stars like Jared Cogswell, Justin Grinnell, all these guys. But uh, we have speaker schools. We limit them to 15. Uh, we have another one coming up in May. And it's early in the next couple of weeks. I think we still have a couple of seats left for that one. That's an overflow from our San Francisco course. Uh, and then I teach around the world uh, pretty frequently. Uh, again, just go back from Australia. Probably going to be doing Ireland or the UK in November. Um, I've done Brazil. We do Canada. We get around. So I'm out there somewhere. Pretty easy to find. Start with me on Facebook or go to the NFBA page, National Fitness Business Alliance, and you can find us and email, message, or whatever you've got going, and somebody will find you. But, yeah, we have a lot of stuff. Uh, one last plug, uh, I've got several books out that would probably help people a lot. Uh, if you want to know the business system, there's a book called Making More Money in the Fitness Business. It's uh, about 400 pages. It's the entire business system. 
Uh, that's available online at Amazon, of course, or you can get it through our office. If you're a fan of my Facebook uh, blogs uh, or posts and all that, go. Uh, there's a, and you have kids, there's a book called Five Minutes of Sunshine. That's just kind of a labor of love book. And if you're starting a gym, there's a book called Living Your Dream. And uh, that's about leases, raising money, partnerships, um, how to get started in the business. Uh, wow. So any of those things good books and they can all start you. All that stuff's on uh, on Amazon or just call our office and somebody can help you with all that. Oh, cool. What was the first book again? Um, uh, Making More Money in the Fitness Business. It's, uh, I want that. I wrote this book in 99 and uh, my publisher asked me to redo it and I looked at it and didn't like it. So this book is a legend redo of the first book, but I only saved 12 pages of the original 400 pages. So it's a it's a new book plus 12 pages. <laughs> so uh, it's a, I got carried away. It was supposed to be done in uh, a couple of months. It took me two years to rewrite the whole book because I kept evolving the system. So it's an entire business system. If you have the old Making Money book, there's only 12 pages left from that book. So it's called Making More Money. It's the updated version. It's training-centric gym um, it's it's a very very in depth read on this and about everything you ever needed to know about operating a training gym successfully is in that book. Wow, I I, I want to grab that one. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Um, everybody who's out there listening, I'm sure on our blog we're going to be posting this, and uh, you definitely want to share this with your friends. Uh, and leave comments. Obviously, uh, we're going to have it on the fitnessbootcampclub.com uh, blog. Is my my own personal blog. I'm going to throw it up there. Thomas, we really appreciate you being here today, and uh, I, I know I can I can speak for both of us. Um, and George, if George, if Georgette, if you have any last questions, great. Otherwise, I'd love to. You know, any last words from Thomas, or uh, any last words from you, Georgette? Um, no, I'm 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 just thrilled with this. I'd love to have Thomas on again. <laughs> oh, that'd be my, be my pleasure. Let me know. Give okay. me a little notice. I'm always yeah, good to hang out with you, too. So uh, if you're out and about somewhere, come find me for a workshop as my guest, and uh, we'll get you started there. But, okay. uh, yeah, I'd be honored to do another one of these. Let me know. These are always fun. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Um, and uh, I'll Thanks. talk to your group next time. I look forward to seeing this. But thank you for the opportunity. Greatly appreciate it. Um, it's a good time to be in the training business. Everybody that heard this out there, it, now's your time. If you ever wanted to be in the industry, this is a very good time period to start. Uh, get after it. I, you're going to be surprised the opportunities you're going to have the next couple of years. So get started today. No, no, stop thinking about it. Start doing it. Move on. <laughs> Great way to end. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thomas Plummer, everybody, and the fitness business guru. Uh, quite an interview, and uh, we look forward to uh, our next podcast. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks.